Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. You know, my first two clients started up their businesses the same time I did. And it was so fun, you know, helping them get their accounting, you know, organized and giving them information and and helping them grow. You know, that's very rewarding. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from Carolyn Newman, the owner of Automation Services in the Houston area. I read a little online about Carolyn and her business and figured that she would be an interesting guest to bring on the show. As you're going to hear, Carolyn started her career in accounting, initially working in an entry-level bookkeeping capacity, actually, and then later moved into cost accounting before actually majoring in accounting and then getting into the audit world. What was interesting to me is that it's really the combination of all those skills, the audit, the cost accounting, the analysis, and, and the systems background that has led to the success of her business now, Automation Services. If you have an interest in any of those areas, or in possibly building a consulting practice later on, this episode is going to be really interesting for you. Without any further ado, let's get started. Here's Carolyn Newman of Automation Services. Well, hello, Carolyn. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with our Life and Accounting audience. I'm really looking forward to this. Hi, Mark. I am too. It's going to be fun. Well, I wanted to invite you on the show because I had read a little bit about your background, either online or I think it was in one of the CPA magazines, actually. I'm not sure which, but when I looked up your company, Automation Services, it it really just intrigued me. I definitely want to get into what you're doing today, and I definitely want to get some background on automation, but so that our audience sort of has a good picture of how you got to where you are today from where you came from. I wanted to start near the beginning. How did you initially get into accounting in the first place? What made you decide to pursue that? Well, Mark, I went to Texas Lutheran University, and when I graduated, it was a day when if you were a female, you would either be in the secretarial pool or a teacher. And I chose to major in speech and not learn how to type. So (laughs) I ended up doing some temporary clerical work. Worked for a number of temp agencies, had a job in an insurance company canceling insurance policies before computers were even out there. And so one of my last jobs was for a printing company. It's called Convention Press. And I was brought in to take the timesheets of all the guys out on the floor that did different operations in a printing area 
And they would put that they worked from three to five, and that was 2.0 hours. So my job basically was to calculate, looking at the the clock time, what their hours were in, in decimals. And then that information would be taken and posted to the job sheets and, and on and on. And so I, I started out doing that and ended up doing all the cost accounting for the company. Oh. And yes. And at the time, my husband was in the service and he got out and we came back to Houston. And I'm a Houston native. When I left, my boss said, look, Carolyn, you've got a knack for this accounting. But if you don't have an accounting degree, you will never be more than a clerk. And so I kind of took that to heart. And why I went into public accounting actually goes back to that past job, too, because one of Convention Press's specialties was printing annual reports and and proxy statements and 10Ks and that sort of thing. And so the auditors and the attorneys would come and review the galleys and, and do their thing before they would sign the opinion. And there was this upper room, if you will, where they hung out and it was stocked with a full bar. I got this very jaded view of what a CPA was. (laughs) And so back to Houston, (laughs) you bet, back to Houston, went to the University of Houston and found out I could get a master's of accountancy with not many more hours than it would have taken to start over to get the BBA in accounting. And so I I basically did office work, costing, cost accounting work, more of a clerical bent, but did all that while I was getting my degree. So I came into public accounting pretty well prepared. Interesting. So, and you were at Convention Press while you went to the University of Houston or or did you? No, no, I was there before. That was what got me my interest in accounting, the, the boss that told me I really should study accounting, but I did other accounting type of jobs on a clerical level while I was going through University of Houston. University. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that must have been a really, really large organization. Okay. <laughs> so then is that when you joined, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right. I believe it's Seedman and Seedman. Is that? Seedman and Seedman. Yes. First it was Seedman and Seedman. Then it was Seedman and Seedman BDO and then BDO Seedman. And now it's just plain old BDO. And I was there 12 years. Oh started out as a uh, yeah started out as a, a fresh auditor and and I was able to really advance quickly because of my background in cost accounting and work in areas that introduced me to processes and workflow and forms and controls so it it really gave me a leg up if you will because I had that experience from the other side. I'd actually been through a, uh, not a full audit, but uh, when the when the firm came into the company I worked for to do their audit work, you know, answering the questions and telling them how we met our controls, it really prepared me for, for that side of it. Okay. Okay. And it looks like you did rather well. You were senior manager when you left. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I got a specialization while I was at Seedman, and that was in the area of computer auditing. Back in those days, there was a, I think it might have been an auditing standard or else an advisory thing that said, if you are auditing a company that has a sophisticated computer system, then it was important to have people that were specially trained 
to understand those controls and document them. And so I actually did that. I went I went to a kind of a special school and went back to school and took a programming course in COBOL, learned how to pull down data and, and run programs and, and do audit retrieval type of activities, which now we call data analytics. And so I got my exposure to that during my time at at Seedman. It was, for that size of firm, it was something that they just didn't have in every office. So I ended up doing work in other offices. I remember going to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Palm Beach, Florida, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, so the offices, once they found out about my expertise, they would need me to help them out. And that actually caused me to not be able to have audit clients like other senior managers. So I transferred into the consulting department. Had a ball in consulting. We did litigation support projects. We did marketing studies. I remember one project where I had to help a company see if they could grow tilapia back before tilapia was ever known in the Arizona desert. It was a company that wanted to start that up as a business, and I did some market research for them. The, the fish. The, the fish, the, yes, the, the fish. St. <laughs> Peter's fish, it was called back then. I, I thought maybe there was some kind of flower or plant I wasn't aware of, but to grow the fish in the desert, the that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it was. And I love the consulting, the variety of consulting. I love going and helping out the other offices. But after a few years, I think the head of the office thought that I might be better off working in a larger firm, a larger office within the firm. And they wanted me to transfer, and I just didn't, so I left. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's when I hung out my shingle, as it were, C.J. Newman and Associates. Okay. You know, before we get into that, do you feel it was your specialization and the the extra training and, and computerization that helped you continue to progress within the firm? Or were there other traits or, or characteristics you feel that helped you? What kept you there that long and what helped you continue to progress? I think it was. when you When you understand computers... And when you are, I don't want to call it courageous, but you know, when you have the curiosity and the interest to learn something new, that always pays off for you. And so I, you know, I had developed these, these special skills that took me further than I think I would have gone. However, there's some people that might say that if I had not specialized in that area and just kept my nose to the ground and been the, the best auditor, I might have. I might have advanced just as well, but I sure wouldn't have had the variety. Hmm. Okay, okay, interesting. So tell us about C.J. Newman. So they were going to require you transfer, and mm-hmm. you decided now is a good time to <laughs> Now is a good time to uh, hang out the shingle, yes. Actually, uh, the partner in the consulting department that I worked for left about the same time. And so we shared offices and did some work together, and I did a lot of write-up work. Having started and ended... Starting in the audit department and ended in the consulting department, I now knew that I had to learn taxes. So I very quickly got up to speed on taxes and, and did a lot of write-up work and tax return preparation and then eventually some audits. I, I took on audits. And it was a little bit strange because when you're a computer audit specialist, you get to go to the companies where they have large mainframe systems and, and really unique situations. 
But when you're a solo practitioner, you're not going to have a client that size, at least not when you're starting out. So it, it was more back to the, you know, let's clean up your book. Let's get the financial statements prepared and, and move on down the road. So it was, it, it, there was a lot of variety and a lot of fun working with small companies. Interesting. Actually, I, I don't know if you know Jim Oliver, but he's the incoming chair for TSCPA. I have heard of him, but we haven't met yet. Okay. Well, y'all have something in common. He came up from the audit side as well and then ended up starting a practice that was primarily tax. (laughs) Mm, Okay. We we interviewed him a couple months ago for the podcast, and it's actually the third or fourth time I've heard that story. When When you start your own business, inevitably, everybody wants you to do their tax returns, so you've Sort of don't mm-hmm. have a choice. <laughs> when people meet you and they find out you're a CPA, they either want to know a tax question or an investing question. Yes, yes. That's actually, that's they it. never want to know about auditing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, how long did it take you to get audit work? After you, Was it many, many years? Right no, there? that was back when firms were going to have to go through a peer review. It was when they started the peer review process and a whole lot of small firms opted to not do audits anymore. And so I I have an, a CPA friend who, in fact, we were sharing office space and she said, look, I just, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd have to have a peer review. Why don't you take this? So I did. And it was a client that I had for, you know, 10 years, I think until I decided to give up the practice. Okay. Yes, I noticed that online. I was curious if you had just renamed your business automation because there's some overlap there. How how did you transition then, C.J. Newman, to automation? (laughs) Slowly. (laughs) Slowly. Uh, To make it clear, I think it's best to tell you what automation is and how, how I started that business. Because of my computer audit specialization, the firm at one point evaluated a software called IDEA Data Analysis Software. And IDEA actually is an acronym. It stands for Interactive Data Extraction and Analysis. And the year I left uh, Seedman, I was presenter along with Michael Kanjimi, who was the partner in New York that I reported to on matters about computer auditing. And he was giving a session for the Computer Audit and Control Association on PC-based audit software. And so IDEA was one of the packages, and then there were two others that were presented, and I had to present one that has come and gone. So I knew about IDEA. I knew about computer auditing. And, and when, that, when that was over, the next year he asked if I would write an article for the ISACA journal. It was called EDP Auditor's Journal back then. So I basically did kind of reviews of the major packages and put together a grid about you know each one, a write-up about the, its best strengths and, and that sort of thing. And at the end of the article, they put my phone number. Oh, so told me about me, you know, on C.J. Newman Associates, and here's my phone number. Well, people started calling me and asking me which software would be best for them. You know, I'm an insurance company. I have this kind of thing, and I'm, you know, a CPA firm, and I have this kind of, you know, need. So I was, like, really enjoying it. It was back to being a consultant, but not to being paid for it. 
<laughs> so, and so I had put in a proposal the next year to do benchmarking. You know, let's really test these software products and, you know, get the information out to people so they could make their decision. And while Michael was considering that, I got a call from the distributor of idea in the UK asking if I'd be interested in helping him set up distribution here in the United States. And that just really intrigued me. You know, I, I, I knew about IDEA. I, they adopted it at Seedman after I left, but I knew about it. And I knew that it would be a way for me to get back into the computer audit specialization area. And so I started using IDEA in my audits. I started up automation. By the way, that's a made-up word. It's the confluence, if you will, of audit and automation because IDEA helps automate the audit. And so started up automation, went to some trade shows, did you know telemarketing and that sort of thing. But I felt like since we were kind of on a shoestring, I needed to have my practice going. So I thought actually that automation would be a nice part-time business during the summer when it was slow. And so that's what I did for 10 years, would you believe? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really thought, and I think it did pay off somewhat by, you know, telling practitioners that, hey, I have a small audit practice. I use IDEA on these audits. It really does make your audit more efficient. And so I thought it would give more credibility. I'm not just a salesperson. I'm also a user of the software. And and so I, I believed that for a long time. But then I came to realize that I could never grow automation the way it needed to grow and retain the uh, practice. So that's when I basically transferred the tax clients to my partner. And then the audits, I found another CPA for one of them and told the other two goodbye. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a, a decision you've regretted at all either. Mm, not at all. I, I guess I regret <laughs> taking so long to make that decision. Ah, okay. Okay. And that's been... It's, I did that in 2002. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh-huh. 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. What have you enjoyed most about both entrepreneurial ventures or either entrepreneurial ventures? What do you, what do you like best about that? Making progress. You oh, know, okay. when, when, you, when you start out and you have just a little, uh, you know, just a little small thing going, and, and the, for the CPA practice, you have a client that just started up. You know, my first two clients started up their businesses the same time I did. And it was so fun, you know, helping them get their accounting, you know, organized and giving them information and and helping them grow. You know, that's very rewarding. You know, when I got my first audit, jumping back into that and following the audit standards and generating the report, going over with the board the information, very, very rewarding. And then automation, I, I can remember the year we broke a million dollars. It was like, all right, we are going somewhere. Of course, we've gone way beyond that, but that's progress. You know, you want to always be growing. You want to always be getting better. I went from, for automation, I went from a me and a secretary to now I have 40 employees. Oh, Okay. And so helping to grow them, putting in management, because you can't supervise all 40 people yourself, that's a real opportunity for uh, professional and personal growth. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize you had that large a team. Mm-hmm. What have you learned along the way or, or what, what tough lessons? 
<laughs> have you learned a lot? Well, it's, it's one I'm still learning, and you've heard this one before. It's to hire slow and fire fast. Oh. So, you know, in, in any employer will realize that if you if you have very strict requirements and you don't make that hire until you're sure they've all been met, it's going to be better for you. But but so often when you're a growing company, you just have that need and well, they'll almost do. And then when the time comes that they can't go any further or they're they weren't the right person at all or particularly salespeople, if, you know, a lot of salespeople, their best-selling job is getting the job. <laughs> so, yeah. But I know I need to still learn this lesson because I, they're still people, you know, and to me, firing somebody is like killing their soul. I just, you know, I hate to do it, but the lesson is often it's, as good for them as it is for you. You know, the sooner they have the choice to find that thing that they're better suited for, the better it is for them and for the company. Yeah, I think a lot of business owners come to realize along the way that you know, whether it's accounting or another area, that the technical proficiency that got them to be able to progress in their career mm-hmm. is is only a minor part of being able to grow your own business. What what have you yeah. done along the way to to help you learn to be a better business owner or to, to get training on, on being a better business owner? What's helped you grow? I'm a continuous learner, okay? So I belong to organizations where I have a chance to have a, a business-slash-management-related seminar once a month. I get my CPE. Most of my CPE is, is management, soft skill-related. I have a CISA, Certified Information Systems Auditor, that I maintain, so I, I still do get some technical CPE, but I just I just am always learning. I read probably two business books a month, and that that's what helps me, I think. And, and, and of course, having my company and, and the, the growth path that we're on right now, strategic thinking, planning, and the execution is the highest thing on my mind right now. Okay. Any particular books you like to recommend or, or organizations that you found, specific organizations that you found that have been helpful? Well, the uh, organization that's been most helpful for me is for CEOs and the key members of management, and that's, okay. that, that group is called Vistage. Vistage, okay. Vistage. And there's another one that I've just started to be active in, and it's for Christian business owners, and it's called C12. Okay. I'm familiar with both of those, and I happen to be a oh, member good. of the Alternative Board uh, myself. So. Oh, yes, yes. Now, the Alternative Board is an interesting group. They have, I think, quarterly meetings that I go to, and, and I like their topics and the fact that they bring in people for panel discussions. You're very right, active. Smith, you You're know familiar him? with all three of those. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear the list of organizations I belong to. <laughs> You're getting a lot of uh, self-growth uh, training. That's that. <laughs> you know, if if you could go back and, and give your younger self any specific advice on business or even just on life, what what would that be? Would you believe that I would have added more finance courses so that I could know about the stock market and financial planning? Then I would be totally well-rounded. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. No, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Well, well, okay. Here's where it fits in. You know, the company is the size where we need to do some investing. And I don't have a CFO because we're not big enough for that. But it would be nice to have some of the knowledge 
that a CFO has about, you know, ways to invest and things to do with your excess cash. Interesting. Okay. Maybe it's time for a second master's for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) My husband might have something to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) It only takes time and money, Carolyn. That's all. That's right. Just time and money. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You've done a great job sort of walking us through your career, and, and I appreciate the insights you, you've given us. Are, are there any hobbies or, or nonprofit interests or you know, any, any non-career-related areas that you spend your time in as well? Or? Well, the, the, the biggest thing, there's two things. The one that takes up most time is my church, St. Cuthbert Episcopal, and I'm the treasurer. And that involves, you know, working with the uh, the parish administrator to see that the, the books and records are in good shape. I'm the authorized check signer and the cash flow and the management of the operations is very important. In our church, that's handled by a vestry. And so I work with the finance committee to make sure that those monthly reports are are good and and that they're well-informed. The other thing is Texas Lutheran. I'm still keeping up with that place. And they actually invited me to serve on their executive advisory committee for the business school. And so I've been a member of that for, I think, about six years. And little bitty Texas Lutheran has just gotten approval to start up a master's in data analytics. And so I've uh, been working with the committee, you know, to advise them of the the best way to go about doing that. Well, I end every podcast with uh, the following questions. I want to be respectful of your time. So mm-hmm. first one, what, what has been your proudest moment? I have three and I can't decide between them. Can I give you all three? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're very okay. proud. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the first one is passing the CPA exam. Okay. So since since I expect accounting students will be listening to this podcast, yeah. that's such an important thing to do, you know, pass the exam. And And I actually took the exam while I was still in graduate school. And what makes me so proud is that I was able to pass three parts at once back when you had to do it all four parts if you were eligible. And that was with only studying for two parts. So that that felt really good, feather in my cap. The second one is the Texas CPA Society, probably on recommendation of the Houston chapter, named me as a CPA Pathfinder back in 2001 or two, And they had my picture in the paper and everything. And it was because it was so rare then for a CPA to do something like run a software company. So I went to Seattle to receive my reward. And that was a very, a very fine moment for me. Hmm. And then the last one has nothing to do with my career, but I wanted to do a half marathon and I did. Really? I walked. I didn't run, but I completed it. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. I've gotten into that myself in the last couple of years. And as odd as it tra- sounds for me, there's something relaxing about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the training for it is a pain. But, you know, when, when you're out there and you do it and, and then you finish it, it's such a good feeling. Yes. Yes. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's, that is a major accomplishment. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Secondly, tell us about a mistake you've made and, of okay. course, what you learned from it. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, the, the bigger that you'll share with us, the better. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a pretty big one. And it happened when I was in public accounting. I was on the consulting staff. And a company 
that wanted to set up a new type of business asked us to do some projections. And, and that was back when the standards about a financial forecast were, were fairly specific and they did not require a balance sheet. So you could show the income statement and the cash flow and then, you know, footnotes and assumptions and all that stuff. And so I had done all that work and there was a mistake in it. And I remember when the partner did the review, he said, where's the balance sheet? And I said, well, the standards don't require it. And he goes, oh, okay. So he reviewed it. And that may be what he says was his biggest mistake (laughs) because there was an error. And, you know, about a month after we finished the job and I guess a potential investor was looking at it, called me up and said, you know, I'm looking at these projections and there's this number here and then I go over here and there's this number here and I'm I'm just not understanding it. And you asked about my proudest moment. That was my lowest moment when I realized right there on the phone, you know, the mistake. And so, of course, the firm, they had to refund the money. There was no, you know, the, there was no other consequence. I didn't get fired. I didn't even get yelled at other than the yelling at myself. You know, I felt so bad. But what I learned is never to be overconfident of your knowledge because just because the standards, and I knew the standards, you know, that I should have still made sure that the thing balanced, you know, that it flowed all the way through and the balance sheet would have caught it for me. I see. I figured this led back to the balance sheet in some way. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a hard lesson to learn, but a good lesson. Yeah. Never be oh, yeah. Never be overconfident. That's exactly right. Always check your work. And I had checked it, but I hadn't checked it to the extent that putting a balance sheet in there would have done for me. And it could be the standards are different now. Thank you for sharing that. You you could have went for an easy mistake, and and you you really shared a a difficult one there. A whopper. A whopper, (laughs) yes. Well, last question. What's the best advice that you've ever received? Uh, The best advice I ever received is about money. If you spend it today, you won't have it tomorrow. And I, I, from my boss at the CPA firm. Okay. I use that often with my clients when I had my little CPA practice, because they would get to a point, you know, where they had a little bit of success, and then they'd want to go buy something special for themselves. I remember one guy; he was an insurance agent and. And he wanted this big executive desk and, you know, all the trappings. And, you know, he showed me a picture of it. And and I said, you know, that's really great. But just remember, when you buy that, the money you spent is gone. And if you need it next month or next year, it won't be there. And, of course, I've used that here in this business over the years as well. And, and it, it really has paid off. I can truly say that's the best advice I've ever gotten. That's good advice to pass on to clients, too. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. You know, we don't run across people too often that got their start in cost accounting, and and yet it sounds like that's what really launched your career. It um, is getting you into data analysis, and you know, probably some of those early skills along the way, and mm-hmm. it's it's worked out to a wonderful career for you. Wow! Well, yes, it has. <laughs> well, if someone wanted to find out more about automation or idea software, or, or your services, what's the best way to do that? Do you have a website, or is there a yes, contact yes. email for the company? Uh-huh. My website is www.automation.com. 
and that tells about the software that we represent and the services that we provide. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time, Carolyn. This has been a good interview. and Thanks, Mark. Hope to get to meet you in person sometime. Oh, I think that'd be great. Well, as I mentioned, Carolyn has definitely had an eventful and a, a very interesting career. But what I really appreciated was that when we got to the biggest mistake portion, she was very open about giving us a real example along with all of the details, plus what she learned from it, of course. Carolyn's obviously been very successful, so I appreciate her being transparent about that incident as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do two things for me. First of all, check out the rest of our 30 or so episodes so far online at www.whereaccountsgo.com. We release a new one each and every week. And if you find it beneficial, then please share it with a coworker or a fellow student or a colleague at another company. You never know who they may know that would benefit as well. Thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. I hope to see you, so to speak, next week. There's much more to come.